So I, I don't know what, what you know, big questions you have about God, but there are some big questions that I have about God that I still don't have answers to. You know, I don't feel 100% qualified to answer. Sometimes people will come into my office and they'll ask me these questions, and they're, they're good, deep theological questions um, that, that I don't even have necessarily the most satisfying answer myself. I have answers, I have responses, um, but they're, they're, they're answers that on this side of eternity, you kind of say, well, I'm, uh, you know, I know I'm going to understand more on the other side of this than I do on this side. And one of those questions that I've, I've often wondered about, you know, is, is, is this, this thing called salvation, right? That God would, would draw near to us through the person of Jesus Christ and that he would, would save people. Um, but, you know, there are people who are just, um, you know, we, we almost wish they wouldn't be saved, Right? There's people who we like to think of as being wicked and evil. We don't like to think of ourselves that way. But you know, we see God save even those people. And at times it, it, it's frustrating and it's confusing and, and, and I don't always understand it. So today I'm going to try to give us some context for how salvation is from God's perspective and why that's good news for you and good news for me. If you have your Bible, we're in the book of Jonah today. Jonah's a, a little short book in the, in the middle of all the little minor prophets. Uh, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Jonah, correct? No, Obadiah. Uh, and then Jonah. So um, we, we got a good little run in there in the Minor Prophets. We're in Jonah, basically chapter 2 today. Um, if you have your Bible, we're actually going to start with the last verse of chapter 1. The story of Jonah is a familiar story. We're getting to the most familiar part of the story. In chapter 1 of Jonah, uh, God tells Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh. And Jonah says, I'm not going to go there. And so Jonah hatches a ride on a boat to go in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. And because he went there, God sent this big storm and all the sailors were worried and thinking they were going to die. And uh, it turned out they discovered that Jonah was the cause of it. And they asked Jonah, what can we do to make your God stop trying to kill us? And Jonah says, throw me into the ocean or into the sea. And if you throw me in the sea, then um, you guys will be safe. Uh, and so uh, after uh, trying to rationalize that inside of themselves and seeing there was no other way for them to get out of it, they pick Jonah up, they throw him into the ocean. Uh, and then they are all safe. All the men on the boat are safe. They go to shore, offer sacrifices to God. They're grateful that they are safe in that position. Jonah, however, is not safe. Jonah is thrown into the middle of the ocean, uh, middle of the Mediterranean Sea in this case. And, and like, I don't care how good of a swimmer you are. right? If we just drop you off in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, your chances of survival are not high. right? I mean, you, you know, Michael Phelps, you toss him in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea... He's not loving his chances right there. He's looking around. He's like, I don't see land anywhere. You know, I've only been out away from land like that in a boat a couple of times in my life. But I went on a cruise, which is the way you want to get away from land, by the way. I went on a cruise um, going down to Cozumel. And you get out there when you're in the middle of the ocean, the middle of the Gulf. And you look around and you're like, there's nothing here. Like it just goes on all directions. There's nothing that you can see. And that's where Jonah was. He was out in the middle of the, of the sea, nowhere to go, nowhere to look, and just waiting for his chance uh, to die. Just waiting for his time to die. And then we get verse 17 of chapter 1, the last verse of chapter 1. And it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days 
and three nights. And we spend a lot of time on this fish and, 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 and like children's stories, right? The whole story of Jonah is about this fish and the fish swallowing Jonah and how that's a miracle that Jonah was able to survive inside of a fish. Just so you know, like there's recorded stories of people being swallowed by giant fish, uh, whales or whale sharks or things like that, and surviving for a period of days inside of them. So it's not an impossibility. It's not even necessarily miraculous that a fish could swallow something and someone could live inside of it. What's miraculous is that God appointed this fish to do it. It's like God looked across the Mediterranean Sea and he said, that fish there, I want you to go here and sovereignly with ultimate control, God sends a fish to where Jonah is struggling for, you know, to stay above water and he appoints the fish to swallow Jonah. Now this could be seen as judgment, right? Like if I was swallowed by a fish, you know, if I was out playing in a... My parents live on Cedar Creek Lake. If I was in Cedar Creek Lake out messing around and a big old fish just swallowed me out there, that would probably be divine judgment, right? Because like there's, uh, like there's no risk to my life typically when I'm out there messing around on a tube or on a boat out there. But if a giant fish swallowed me, I think that would be divine judgment. In this case, though, it was divine grace. Right? It was mercy. It was unmerited favor that Jonah got swallowed by a fish. Because if that fish doesn't swallow Jonah... Jonah doesn't get to tell the rest of the story, right? The book would end with the big splash, and that would be the end of the story of Jonah. But the story of Jonah doesn't stop with the splash. It continues beyond that. And what we need to see is that God loves Jonah. Jonah, the man who ran away from what God told him to do. Jonah, the man who should have known better. He grew up knowing about the Lord. He was a prophet of God. like He was a good, upstanding, religious person who knew about God. He should have known better, but he chose to do his own thing. And yet God still loved him. Some of you, that is your exact story. You should have known better. Maybe you were raised in the church or raised in a Christian family. I was raised in a Christian family, uh, surrounded by churchy type things. And I went my own way, right? I should have known better. I should have made wiser decisions. I should have followed the path that God had helped to set me on. But I stupidly went my way. I went against God. I ran the opposite direction of where God wanted me to be. Yet God still loved me. God loves sinners. This is the story of the entire Bible. We are all sinners. You and me. All of us are sinners. Now you might feel like you're better than the person next to you, and you probably are, right? Because that person's a real loser, right? But, but, but the truth is, right? The truth is, we're all wicked sinners. And like Jonah, we've all run away from what God's told us to do. We've all plunged headlong into sin, living our lives for ourselves to make ourselves happy instead of looking to please God. Yet God still loves you. He loves you enough to do exactly what He did to Jonah, to appoint something to bring salvation to you. Right For Jonah's sake, he appointed a giant fish. We don't know if it's a whale or a shark or whatever. Right, It could have been a, a God-created fish for this one purpose. But he appoints this animal to go and to do that. God appoints something to bring salvation to Jonah. And God has appointed that for you as well. If you're here today and you're still running from Jesus Christ, I want you to know that I am your great fish. I've been appointed by God to tell you that God loves you so much. And if you would stop running right now, there is rescue and salvation for you today. God loves you tremendously, just like he loved me. 
when I was running as far from Him as I can. Guys, we're all sinners. We all run from God, yet God still brings salvation to wicked, stupid people. I was working with my preaching group this week, and I was trying to come up with the big idea of this sermon, and I kept working it out, and I was like, I just want to say, like, God can save even morons. And they're like, that's not nice, Matt. And I'm like, stupid people. And they're like, no. I'm like, idiots. They're like, no. But, but that's, that's what he, the story is about. God saves totally rebellious, stupid people like you and like me. And that's a great story because God swallows up Jonah with this fish to save him from certain death. And Jonah is now inside the fish and we have a prayer that Jonah prays. He's in there for three days and three nights. So he's got time to think a little bit about what he might want to be saying to God, right? he got nothing else to do, nothing else to see. I imagine it's dark and probably a little dizzying inside of a fish. Like that's tough to imagine, right? That kind of like gravitational nonsense inside of a fish as it swims. My mind can't handle it. But here we go. This is what Jonah's doing. Three days in the fish. And this is where he's at. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. From the belly of the fish. I'm going to stop just real quick. This is the first time Jonah's prayed in the, in, in the book of Jonah. The captain of the ship, when the ship is about to sink because of the storm, goes to Jonah and says, pray, and Jonah doesn't pray. Now Jonah's finally come to a census. It's the first time we see Jonah having any relationship with God that's positive in the book, book of Jonah. So Jonah prays to God from the belly of the fish, saying, verse 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows, they passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. That sounds like pretty deep, by the way. The roots of the mountains got to be a little bit underwater there. Uh, and I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life up from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I will, or I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Alright, so Jonah's in the middle of this, this whale, this fish, whatever. And he cries out to God in prayer. And this prayer right here is a prayer of thanksgiving for God's deliverance of Jonah. It recounts Jonah's experience of being in the water, how he felt he was sinking down to his death, and how at that moment he cried out to the Lord for help, and God sent help. Guys, that's what God is in the business of doing, is sending help to those who need it. All you have to do is call out. A lot of times we have a lot of pride. I have a lot of pride inside of myself, and so I don't like to cry out for help. Right, I like to do it all by myself, right? I'm, I'm, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old right now at my house. And in about a year, I'm going to be hearing that nonsense all the time, right? All by myself. I can do it all by myself. All by, no, you can't, right? These little kids, they think they can do everything by themselves, and, and they want to be independent. And that's great, because I want them to move out one day. But, but like, 
this all by myself attitude is a dangerous attitude to have when you're living life. Jonah was sinking down, and in that moment, he, he realized, I can't swim. I'm not floating. I'm dying. I need help. He cried out to God, and God saved him. God brought salvation to him. And you know what this whole story, this whole prayer is? It's just him thanking God. This is where I was. This is where I was going. And then you saved me. You saved me, God. You know, if you've ever experienced the the, the salvation that God gives through the grace of Jesus Christ, this prayer should be very familiar to you. Not this exact prayer. You may not have felt like you were drowning and about to die, but the fact that you were irrevocably lost, totally separated from God, on a path to ultimate destruction, and then God stepped in and rescued you. We should have a sense that we are as rescued as the man in the middle of the ocean every single day. That sense of salvation and thanksgiving leads us to live a life of thanksgiving. We're going to have a Thanksgiving dinner, lunch, whatever this is next door, right after this service. And it should lead us, right? This idea that we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ should lead us to the point where we're so thankful for what He did. Right? We should live a life of joy and hope and love and thanksgiving because without the salvation of Jesus Christ, we would be lost and bound for destruction. And God said, no. Guys, your salvation, if you're here today, if you're a Christian in this room today, I want you to know it should show in your face. Right? You should, we should be able to look at you and see like that person recognizes how fortunate they are that God reached down and rescued them. Right? It should show in your actions, the way you do things, how you work for people, how you serve other people. It should show that, that, that your Jesus is right there deep, deep down inside of you because you know where you would be without Him. It should show in your words, the way you speak to one another, the way you speak to those closest to you, which is the hardest people to speak to with love, by the way, are the people that we genuinely do love. It's really easy for me to be nice to uh, like most of y'all. Most of y'all. Uh, it's really easy for me to be nice to y'all, right? You don't live in my house. I don't have to deal with your garbage 95% of the time, right? And when you're here, like I'm here for you and I love you and I support you. You know, it's harder for me to do that for my wife and my children because I get all of their garbage. I get 100% of it and they get like 110% of mine, right? It's tough. When you're in that but you know, the words that come out of your mouth should show out that you recognize how fortunate you are to be saved. Right? And so when we come down, we, we, God is a God of justice and judgment. And sometimes that's the part that we really like. But He's also a God of grace and love and forgiveness. And that's what we've got to be about to people. Jonah recognized that God saved him. That God swooped in out of nowhere and rescued him with this fish that he's inside of. And while he's inside of this fish, which looks like a prison, he says, God, thank you. You may be in a pretty, pretty rough spot right now. Maybe your finances are a mess. I've been there. Right? Maybe, you're, maybe your family life is a mess. Hey, I've been there. Right? Maybe you're dealing with grief and loss, and maybe you're dealing with sickness, and, and, and maybe you're dealing with stupid decisions made by your grown-up children. I haven't been there yet, but, but I think I will be at some point. And when we're in the middle of these kind of chaotic times of our life, it, it's easy for us to forget how good God is to us. 
Jonah's in the middle of the whale and he recognizes how good God was to send that whale for him. Guys, I want you to recognize that God's still good even in the midst of hard times. He still loves you. Like the, the hard, hard stuff we go through and every person in this room, I, I, I doubt there's an exception, every person in this room has a story that if you were to get up here and share the story of your heartbreak and your heartache and your deepest wound, like it would, it would lead us all to cry. We have all experienced great pain. This life is full of great pain. But God is still good to you. He still loves you. He still brings salvation to you. And He still gives people like you and like me chances to experience joy again. If you're here today, I want you to know there's joy on the other side of whatever you're walking through. Whatever it is you're going through, there's joy on the other side of it. Cling to the hope of Jesus Christ. You'll find it over there. Guys, God's deliverance leads people to praise. If, if you being delivered from sin and death doesn't lead you back to praise, you probably aren't saved. If you're not thankful today for what Jesus Christ has done for you, you probably don't recognize what Jesus Christ has done for you. Because He took you from a path that leads to eternal separation from God and destruction, and He set your feet in a place where you can experience love eternal. And if you don't recognize that, if that doesn't push you to praise, I want you to reconsider your, your relationship with God today. It would be important for us to think about those things. Let's continue out though. It says, verse 10 says, And then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Three days Jonah's in the fish. God brings the fish to save him. God, Jonah spends three days in there thinking, thinking about what's going on in his life, and then he's released from that in a fairly nasty occurrence, right? Obviously, the fish ate something that didn't sit well with it, and the fish vomits Jonah out upon dry land. We don't know exactly where the fish uh, vomited Jonah out, but I'm guessing it's about where Jonah took off to begin with. That's kind of how God works, right? When we run our way, and then we go off into craziness, and then all of a sudden life kind of gets chaotic, and then you look around and you're like, I'm back where I started. Right? I'm not any closer to where I should be. I'm not closer to where I went. I'm literally back at the exact same place that I started. But Jonah's taken back to the land. The fish spits him out. And the reason that the fish spits Jonah out is because God isn't done with Jonah. God gives uh, saved sinners grace to try again. God gives saved sinners like you and me grace so that we can try again to do what God's asked us to do to begin with. Today is an opportunity for you to experience that grace of God. God says, I'm going to give you another chance today to start walking the way you're supposed to walk, to start doing the things that I've called you to do. Today is a day to experience God's grace of second chances. The whole book of Jonah is going to be about second chances. Jonah's got to have another second chance to go to Nineveh. He's going to have a second chance about how to deal with, with, with conflict that he has inside of himself. But God is giving you that today. If you have breath in your lungs, God is giving you a chance to try again. And as someone who messes up on a weekly basis, your pastor, guys, I'm so thankful that God gives me second chances. Right? If, if God had the same discipline technique that I had, 
or that I have or that I experienced from my father who I love very much. I, I would not be here able to stand before you today. I would have been eternally punished already. Because God has given me chance after chance after chance to try again. Guys, we've got to make the most of the chances that God has given us to try again. We are saved sinners. And we live today to share that message with the world out there. A lot of people in the world think that the church sees themselves as some holy, righteous uh, beacons inside of themselves. But the truth is much, much different. We are broken people. We are broken people and we are only saved. We only have righteousness because Jesus was righteous. And so we only have holiness because Jesus was holy. It's not that we're good. It's not that we're better than those people, whoever those people are. It's just that we've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. And we should be begging people to hear that message. No one is too far from the grace of God. Jonah, a prophet, should have known better, ran away from where God wanted him to be, and God still says, I'm going to give you another chance. You high-handedly, you heard the rule. This is like, uh, I, I have six kids right now at my house. Yes, six. I, I lose count. They, they, they come in waves. I have a lot of people who live in my house. And, and sometimes they mess up. And I'm like, oh, that's a mistake. And then sometimes it's not a mistake. Sometimes they're just wicked. Right? Like, we're like, don't eat the cookie that's on the counter. And then you come back through the kitchen and the cookie's gone. That's not a mistake. You didn't trip and have a cookie fall into your face. Right? You're just wicked. You just chose to do the wrong thing. And in those moments, when wickedness happens, when that's called high-handed sin, like, I knew what I was doing and I did it anyways. Right? Whenever that happens, like I really struggle with grace in those situations. Because I'm like, I told you specifically, don't do this. And then you did it. And Jonah does that. He's told specifically what to do. It's no question in his mind what he's supposed to do. And he says, I won't do it. He runs away and God still offers him grace. Guys, God is offering you grace today. You are not too far from God today. The stupid things you've done, the the unwise choices you've made, the actual wicked sins you have chosen to partake in because you wanted to do it. God still loves you. And you're not too far from His grace. And I'm thankful for that because I need that kind of grace. I need the grace that says, Matt, you knew what you were doing and you still chose to do it and I'm still going to love and save you. So if it wasn't for that grace, I would have no grace at all. Guys, we're wicked people. But God is so loving and good. He cares about you. And He gives salvation to stupid people like Matt Higginbotham. And you, too. And the reason God does that, the reason gives, God gives salvation to stupid people, like I asked at the beginning, is because it's, it, it's for us in some ways, but really God gives salvation to us, us wicked people, for His glory. 
God gets glory and praise and honor when a wicked person turns from their sins and comes back to Him. And we should celebrate that. When the wicked run to God, we should celebrate that. You got people in your life who you wish God wouldn't save, couldn't save, shouldn't save, give it up. Pray for that person to come to know Jesus Christ. You're holding grudges and bitterness and anger towards people who've done you wrong or done someone you love wrong. Give it up. Give it up. And pray for God to save them because God gets glory for bringing wicked people to salvation. And you should be thankful that He does. Because if He didn't, you would not get salvation. We would be lost in our sin in the middle of the sea, with no lifeboat coming and no fish to save us. But God cares about you. You're precious. You're loved. And that's good news, church. It's good news this world needs to hear. And they're not going to hear it unless you experience it for yourself and then you share it with them. We've been saved from a great, great danger. Because our God is great and desires to save us. Let's pray.